You're listening to Tooth Be Told. For the latest updates, like our SPIU Alberta Facebook page and follow us at SPIU Alberta on Instagram. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Tooth Be Told podcast. I'm Ying and I'm joined by Jason. Hi everybody, my name is Jason. I'm Ying's classmate in second year and uh, it's my pleasure to be here today. So for our third episode of the new year, we have a talented and famous instructor here at the U of A with us, Dr. Mark Wright. And Dr. Wright is here to shed light on his career and share with us his journey throughout dentistry. So thank you for joining us today, Dr. Wright. Uh, would you like to start off this podcast by introducing yourself to the audience? Uh, hi, I'm Mark Wright. I'm a professor at the University of Alberta uh, School of Dentistry. I was going to say Faculty of Dentistry, but there, we're that no longer. Um, and uh, I teach both of these uh, students, and um, I'm happy to be here today. Hey, yeah, we're happy to have you. And so we're going to start off this podcast with a few uh, longer, more open-ended questions regarding your career. A lot of us would love to know your backstory and how you got to where you are today. Would you like to give us a little story about your life in terms of dental school to GPR to your work afterwards up until today? (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm not really sure exactly where I am today. Like, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you mean working meant- at the school or working like in practice or? Both or, actually, actually. Just both? how you okay. got to right. her presence, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I graduated uh, dental school in 1994. Um, actually probably met some of my classmates. Um, one in particular, Jeff White, uh, who is teaching in the dentures course and in uh, RPD with me. Um, Dr. Lenarden actually is another instructor that you guys will have uh, probably in um, Complete Dentures. Uh, she graduated in 1993, so I knew her quite well and a number of her classmates as well. So there's a little bit of kind of a, a contingent of, of 1990s uh, graduates in, in the faculty right now. So um, if you, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that because uh, <laughs> we don't want to get into uh, age and all that stuff because I'm feeling older and older. So basically I graduated in 1994 and I was uh, then uh, admitted to the residency program in 1994 to 95 at the University of Alberta Hospital. And uh, I um uh, stayed on afterwards, actually. I worked there probably for about a year or a year and a half, maybe after um, I had gone through that program. Um, at that time, there was a little bit of turmoil in terms of the uh, staffing at the at the hospital. We were overseen by um, Dr. Bill Pressing, who was a brilliant um, uh, kind of mentor for us while we were there uh, at the program. And he left just actually... Uh, I think in 95 um, in the fall. So they wanted uh, some of us to stay on and just kind of help on help with the program. So uh, that's more or less what I did um, at that time as well, because I was staying on at the university hospital, I was going to, uh, you know, I, ne- I needed to find something else to kind of uh, fill in the time as it were. I was looking at practices and so on. I, the Glenrose uh, hospital position came up and I thought that I would, you know, work at the university hospital and work at the Glenrose hospital. And I would more or less fill up my time with the two uh, places. 
initially, just while I was looking for practices and so on. So that's kind of how I started. Beyond that, uh, I actually had my sister go through her residency or part of her residency um, with uh, me at the hospital as well, which was kind of fun. She uh, graduated in 1996. And she went through her residency from 1996 to 1997. And I was there, I think, uh, probably for about half of her program, I think. So, yeah, it was kind of a fun experience. And in fact, um, the residency, uh, I would say, is a really, really nice way of um, uh, confirming to yourself that you know what you know. And uh, it allows you to, uh, it allows you to work some degree of mentorship still. So uh, the way that Dr. Preshin used to run it was he would expect that we would do research ahead of time. And, you know, if we had difficult cases to treat in terms of medical management or in terms of just the case itself, you would expect that we go through, re we research it, plan it ourselves, and then um, he would uh, be available to us to, you know, just act as a sounding board for uh, making decisions on cases and so on like that. It was a really good program. Really, really good. Uh, anyways, uh, so that was my first few years. So I'll let you guys just step in if you have any questions. No, actually, that was one of the uh, questions I had for you, just to go into details about the first few years. That's pretty cool that a few of your, uh, your classmates or friends, I guess, from the 1990s are all together here on this day. It's pretty lifty. I like that. Feels just like home. So, um... It was has anything ever changed between like dental school in the 90s versus dental school today like do you think that used to be harder used to be easier used to focus on some things more than others go into a little bit more detail about how dental school was for you back then do you find yourself occasionally like reminiscing about those days in the 90s no <laughs> <laughs> well i mean uh, not really. I mean, it's, 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 it was fun. We had a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if it was something that, uh, I mean, you think about it, I guess, once in a while, but um, there's life kind of takes over and you have more, more interest than just dentistry. At least you should. <laughs> so, you know, Do you I mean, I, I see people and then I think, Oh yeah, I remember that time that we did this and whatnot, but generally speaking, not a whole bunch. I mean, you, um, <clears throat> when you have a family, you tend to try and make some memories and so on of your own. So that's kind of where my headspace is usually. No, that's a good, that makes sense. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Then um, just to follow up on that then, has there been a lot of changes since school in the 90s versus school today for dentistry? Yes, mm -hmm. yes there have been. You want specifics? <laughs> <laughs> If you want to give a specific <laughs> Well, school in the 90s was a lot different. Um, there were no such things as uh, remedial sessions or retakes or anything like that. So if you failed, you failed. And, you know, it was uh, sometimes uh, a little bit less um, student friendly. Our instructors were really good, but it was there were certain expectations. And if you didn't meet them, you knew you're going to not be um well you, you, let's just say that you knew about it <laughs> wow. so yeah there i mean there's there were some uh there are some instructors that were obviously very 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 um kind of uh congenial and were, you were able you felt comfortable you know speaking to but there are some that you just didn't um so we'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah okay 
<laughs> I mean, it was fun. We had a good time. And, you know, we weren't certainly weren't treated with um, any, you know, disrespect or it was not a, a negative environment when I was going through, but it was a lot different. And like I said, if you didn't do the work that was expected of you, you'd heard about it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that that happens as much today. <laughs> so I don't know. It just seems that uh, the stakes are a little bit less high than they potentially were. So I guess we're pretty spoiled in that regard then. Well, lucky us. Well, no, I think that what's happened is that there's just been a change in society. We, you know, there, there isn't the ability to kind of uh, have a person who goes into a clinical situation who is not doing something appropriately uh there isn't that situation where you just have right in front of the patient an instructor say what are you doing why are you doing this this is incorrect and kind of go on and on and on uh so that you understood that you were incorrect and that you maybe needed to change what you were doing so yeah it's a little little different today this it's like i said it's a much better learning environment i think now than it was in 1994 and from the stories i've heard Previous to that, there were there were even kind of more kind of incidences of, you know, very frank conversations in the clinic and so on. I, I think that it's a lot more respectful now than than it potentially was. But uh, I think that uh, it doesn't really um, give you an idea of what to expect in private practice when a patient is really upset with treatment too. Um, you know, like there these days it seems like you know, oh well, we'll just remediate that and and so on, but. Um, you know, you get into practice um, and, and everybody before has been speaking very gently to you and saying, you know, this is something you might want to improve upon and so on like that. And I think that, you know, when you get into practice, you'll be shocked sometimes at the responses of, of patients if, if they perceive that you have done something or have charged something that uh, is, uh, is something they don't agree with. So, um, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a different, different kind of feeling yeah <laughs> okay for sure um I guess just moving on a little bit um, <laughs> did the GPR program in the grand scheme of things influence your choice of working in the hospital and not private practice um well no uh it you can make all kinds of plans as you're going through um you know dental school and in terms of you know where you want to be and 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 whatnot but uh I had actually planned uh, to uh, either join a particular practice that I had in mind or go into the residency. And I, I chose the residency and went for my interviews for that. Um, and interestingly enough, I, they didn't give us any indication of when we were going to hear. Um, so I didn't hear back from the residency until uh, probably about, I don't know, maybe about three or three weeks later after the interview and I was already on vacation. So I heard actually in the hotel room where we were staying, which was kind of cool. So um, yeah, I mean, the, the residency itself was something that I had aspired to for sure. Well, that's good advice. Yeah, for sure. You must've been super happy, I guess, in the hotel room. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I had something else lined up. So I was, I was oh, really right. happy though, for sure. You're happy in was, general that day. I can't blame you. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really, really a, a good day. That's lovely. So I have another question for you now. Um, it's another open-ended longer one. Uh, would you mind just telling us about your uh, work experience at the Glenrose? Uh, in what regard? In 
anything like uh, the patients you're dealing with, if they're more ASA three or four, or just is it really any different from private practice? Just in general, what's what's it like working at the Glen Rose? Well, I guess it isn't for me because I've just done it for so long. Um, working at the Glen Rose, you're seeing a lot of, uh, well, the way I like to think about it is that the university hospital, I was seeing a lot of acutely ill patients. Uh, who were, you know, having chemotherapy and who were having, you know, um, sometimes burn patients, sometimes uh, like people who are obviously post-surgery and so on. Uh, but we would go on the burn ward and we were involved in some of the surgeries for skin grafting and all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, you know, for the most part, that's kind of that acute side of things. And uh, at the Glenrose Hospital, it's more a chronic uh, disease um, uh, you know, people, people who have, who are afflicted by chronic disease. So that's kind of how those two hospital situations differentiate from one another. A lot of the people that I see there are elderly, as you probably are well aware, because you've maybe been uh, on or have heard about the, uh, the rotations uh, at the hospital. Um, so you'll be seeing, you know, people who are in there the youngest people are in their late 60s, likely, and the oldest people will be well into their 90s. So, you know, with that, you have to um, have a good understanding of uh, how to deal with medically compromised individuals and how to manage their uh, medical condition before you start treatment. Um, you kind of understand a little bit more about what tolerance they have for treatment as well. You may have to make alterations to a normal treatment planning um, a, a normal treatment plan rather than, you know, so, so that you can accommodate what their uh, individual needs are. For example, having sometimes more appointments for shorter periods of time uh, and that type of thing. So, um, but it's, it's really interesting because um, when you're in practice and I have been in practice, I was in uh, private practice in Red Deer for about three years. Uh, I found that, you know, you were just kind of going through the day-to-day. -day. <laughs> it kind of became a little bit mechanical. Like you see something, you would plan something, you'd do it. And it was, you know, 75% of it was restorative work. Sorry, probably 50% were, were, you know, exams really. And then, you know, from there you'd have the work. So you'd be seeing people for checkups and all that stuff. And for the most part, the people that I was seeing were um, in Red Deer were really good at their oral hygiene and didn't really require a lot of work. So it was kind of one of those where you were doing uh, more or less assessment, 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 and, uh, and then a little bit of risk. Well, you know, majority of the work you were doing was restorative. So that would be the 75%. And then some prosthetic work, um, I had some bigger cases there actually. Um, but again, it, it just kind of that kind of little additional, you know, thought process as to how you're going to manage a patient wasn't, wasn't as much uh, in the four uh, in private practice. So I enjoy the hospital work just because of that. And you have to figure out ways of being able to adapt to treat people, which I find interesting, that type of thing. So Anyway, but um, really the difference between the two, private practice and the hospital work, uh, I don't find is, is, you know, the mechanics of it is basically the same. It's just the process through which you, you plan treatment and, and so on that's a little different. Right, for sure. And did you end up picking up on a lot of head and neck pathologies when you were at the U of A or even at the Glenwoods? Uh, a lot of the head and neck pathologies that I found were, well, Glenrose, um, you see a lot of um, yeast related pathology. So, you know, medium rhomboid glossitis and 
generalized just kind of uh, candidiasis um, because people are wearing more prosthetics. You know, as you know, dental disease is chronic. So uh, you, in elderly people, generally speaking, have more of an accumulation of dental disease. So they're going to be more prone to having uh, prosthetics placed. And um, so, yeah, you see quite a bit of candidiasis as a result of that. Um, in uh, the Alberta Hospital, um, when I was working at the Alberta Hospital in Pinoca, um, I actually uh, had a couple of cases that I sent off for biopsy that uh, came back mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, squamous cell carcinomas. There was one case that I saw in the Glen Rose as well, uh, which I was pretty sure was a squamous cell carcinoma, but, uh, um, you know, I... I asked the patient if they wished to, you know, I, I really would like to have this biopsy. I think you really need to have it done. It's important. And the patient actually refused to have the biopsy done. And so we had to write up some uh, documentation on that case. Um, but I probably have seen about three or four oral cancers in my what, 28, 30 years of practice. Like how long is it now? 28, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, tons of candidiasis. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, alveolar infection that we saw. Um, certainly in the residency, I saw quite a bit of uh, acute trauma and, and uh, you know, space infections and things like that, uh, that we were uh, referred. So, so I guess, yeah, um, you know, pathologies, um, I would say majority of them were probably at um, the Alberta Hospital Pinoca, as far as kind of uh, general assessment, as far as acute pathology, like fractures and things like that, I think I probably saw most of those at my residency. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, speaking of stories, you kind of already touched upon it, but what kind of like specifically, like way, way back specifically caused you to go into the Glen Rose again? Uh, I wanted to fill my time in with another job. <laughs> okay, that's the pragmatic answer. <laughs> I got it. Well, basically, I mean, I was working at the hospital uh, probably two or three days a week, and I just thought, you know, I should really look for, like, I, I had gotten through the program, I'd got my residency uh, completed, and I was looking around, and they had asked me to stay on for a little bit longer just because they had this kind of turnover transition when Dr. Pressing left and went to private practice. Um, so I said, yeah, I could, I could certainly do that. And um, uh, actually, Dr. Thomas, who you are uh, going to see if you haven't already, uh, Dr. Thomas was in the residency with my sister uh, in 1996. So I know him really well. Yeah, I, I think that probably the the reason the reason mostly that I got into the into the Glenrose. Uh, getting back to your original question, is is that I was looking for a private practice and I couldn't find one that was kind of part time. A lot of the private practices. Uh, opportunities back then were full-time. I had some options, like there's some people that wanted me to come on with them, um, but I kind of liked the hospital work. I was asked to stay there and actually Dr. Tim McGaw, he was the person who um, invited me to come to the Glenrose Hospital and see whether or not I would uh, I would like it. And I just thought I was, you know, being shown around. He just said, oh yeah, just come on over. And I was wearing a, a kind of a Brian Adams concert t-shirt and jeans and stuff and uh I just thought he was showing me the facilities but they, <laughs> they had a big meeting and I was sitting there in like my t-shirt and jeans and thinking 
I really wish that he would have told me that this was a meaning. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 they brought me on and I, I've been there kind of for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> right. No more jeans and T-shirts for you from that point on. Well, I don't know. You never know. There are days where I still wear them. That was that was bad. That was bad because I didn't know they were like interviewing me. It was it sounded as if it was just like, oh, yeah, come over and take a look at the facilities and stuff. And I was like, oh. I suppose I can and so I met him and yeah it was interesting it was an interesting day you must have had some really nice jeans on then I'm sorry what you must have had some really nice jeans on I guess no I think they yeah. actually had rips in them and they oh, yeah. were it was bad it was really bad yeah well it all worked out um so for our next big question uh why did you decide to come back and teach at the school do you mind kind of giving your little story about that um, well, I was working at the Glenrose Hospital uh, part-time. I was also at that time working at the Alberta Hospital still. Um, um, and while I was at the Glenrose Hospital, um, we had an instructor there called uh, Blair Bennett. And uh, he had been talking to me about, well, you know, you should come on and teach. And I, at that point, I was working full-time in practice and I had no interest in teaching whatsoever. So uh, that was probably about three or four years before I started. So um, um, and then Bernie Kula came on and he was talking to me about it, um, and saying, you know, it's interesting and you really like the teaching, uh, at, at the university. And then, um, Paul Major, uh, who is the kind of chair of our program, uh, he talked to me for, I don't know, it was probably a couple of years and I still hadn't made the decision to, uh, to make that transition to teaching. I just wanted to keep practicing and kind of had a, had the blinkers on and was focused on practice. Um, and then uh, we were having a lot of interesting times. I don't know if I should really talk too much about it, but uh, let's just say that uh, when you're working in public health, um, contracts are often not fun to uh, deal with. So I was involved in some contract stuff and I just thought, you know what, I will look at the school. And then I started to talk to Dr. Major um, a little bit more seriously because, you know, I had met with them a couple of times just to see what it was about. Uh, and then I knew Dr. Linky uh, because he was the prosthodontist that I generally used when I was in practice. I, I thought he was a really great prosthodontist and uh, he had just come on at the school and um, he basically kind of outlined what his experience was. And I made this decision that uh, I'd like to try it out. So I did. I'm telling Dr. Powell, Dr. Powell, we said that. You know what? I didn't know Doug, to tell you the truth. I didn't really know Doug at all. I just knew uh, Bernie. And uh, the reason I knew Bernie so well was because uh, he had instructed, I think, my sister at the university. Uh, my mom and my, yeah, my mom was referred to him. And uh, he did a lot of prosthetic work for my mom. And he was just really tremendous with her. So uh, after that, I, I kind of formed a a uh, generalist prosthodontist bond with him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, it all worked out, right? So yeah. I have a question for you now. Sure. Um, how much work are you putting on as a teacher at school? No, it's it's pretty demanding, um, especially over COVID times. I mean, uh, I think we just did our last assessment of the hours and stuff, and you're like two and a half times what you should be, or two times what you should be, uh, something like that. It's 
it's it's quite a bit of work but the thing that i like about it is that um you know i just find it's really gratifying you you teach uh, students such as yourselves and give them give you give you tips and 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 um, and pointers on how to do things and hopefully set a little bit of an example as well uh, as to how to approach uh, situations and, and patients and things like that and then we just get to watch you grow through the program and and you know find at the end of it that you know we have some competent um, young professionals that were that were graduating, and I think it's it's a really rewarding thing in private practice. Really, the reward is just a recall. You get to see your own work, and you get to see whether it works or not, and whether it's still pretty. You know, your assistant might compliment you. Although my assistant, I don't know if everybody, if anybody knows Kimmy, but um, she's uh, she tends to to like to tease rather than compliment. So I don't get a lot of that. <laughs> But uh, no, it's, you know, it's, it's more for yourself in private practice and for the knowledge that you've helped someone. And, you know, it can be very rewarding, like uh, patients don't see feelings very much, but prosthetics, I find, you know, especially complete dentures and things like that, that are life-changing for patients are, are very, very rewarding. Um, so, but it, it's still kind of very individual. It's still like, you're you're doing it, and you know that you're doing kind of a good job, and so on. Uh, but the, but it's it's nice to see that uh, some result uh, and and be a part of a team, kind of helping you guys learn. I find that really kind of rewarding, and certainly a lot different um, than practice. So that that would be my my take on the differences and the right. And speaking of advice to students, uh, what would you advise? What advice would you give students in the sim lab transitioning to the clinic? Well, there isn't much reassurance that I can give because it's hard. <laughs> and and if I told you that it was, you know, everything is going to be okay, there are some days that it just probably won't be. But um, you know, you, you, what you have to do is you have to have a sense of confidence um, in all of the kind of technical skills that you've gained uh, through through the courses that you've done with us. You have to allow yourself to um, some, some leeway in terms of error. I mean, there won't be really, you know, large errors that you'll make because of course I would recommend to all students actually one of the things I would recommend to you is just be prepared for every clinic that you go to if you aren't reading before a clinic and if you aren't going into the sim lab and you know if you have a crown prep to do uh go through you know a few times making sure that you uh remember how to cut the preps and and what you need to do to to uh, assess axial alignment and all that stuff if you're not practicing that before your your clinical sessions you're going to really struggle and you're going to be really nervous so yeah that's what i would say is is make sure that you're prepared for the clinics practice go into the uh, uh clinic uh, sorry go into the uh, uh ECA lab and and get out your deniform and cut some teeth and make sure that you have a fair confidence in your technical skill and then um make sure though that you understand that now there is a patient there uh, i often find that um to kind of allow yourself to kind of fully <laughs> Uh, understand what you're doing um, in the clinic, there's often a, a tendency to focus on the technical aspects of things. And 
um, you know, you have to treat people nicely. You have to treat people the way you would want to be treated. Uh, you have to talk to them. You have to understand that not only will you be nervous when you're doing something for the first time in the clinic or doing something even for the 10th time in the clinic, but the patient's going to be nervous as well. And you have to talk to them and be reassuring to them and think more of the patient than yourself and, uh, and just make sure that you're fully prepared for the clinics. And then also have the understanding that, you know, the reason that we are there as instructors is because we've done all this stuff a lot. And if you're feeling uncomfortable with something that you're doing, um, you know, there's no harm or, uh, you know, no shame in asking us over to have a look and we will sit down and we will assist you with whatever it is. And we don't expect you to be rock stars right out of the gate. So I guess that would be my long answer to a short question. And I guess that same advice is something you'd give to a student who's going from clinic now to actual private practice. Just give yourself well, some time, it'll be hard. Yeah, and, and the recommendation that I would give to a person who's going from school to private practice is, um, you know, don't expect that you're going to hit it out of the park either when you first get into your um, first day at practice. You are going to take longer at doing things than the person who's worked for 30 years. Make sure that you're, you have a, a mentor that's willing to support you in the same way uh, that your instructors have supported you through your training. Uh, make sure that if you go into a practice um, and you have that kind of help, um, that the practice also understands that you are a new graduate and you will take longer to do things and uh, allow yourself to be booked less than the uh, current uh, kind of principal operator in the practice because you aren't going to be able to keep up. And if you try, you're going to find that a lot of your stuff won't be done to the quality um, that you expect of yourself. I mean, I, I went out and I was really hard on myself um, when I first started and I had to do everything exactly perfect. Um, and it took time to do that. And, um, you know, at the residency, um, I got a little bit faster. Um, but, you know, your first few years of practice, it's a bit of a steep learning curve. And you'll... The, what I would do is I would practice doing things well. Uh, and, and as you get kind of in the rhythm of doing things well and appropriately, um, speed will just naturally come. No, I get that. It makes plenty of sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that was actually quite a bit of info. And honestly, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Because you made it so personable and like, I guess like your own experiences and so fun to like uh, just hear your story. So thank you for all the things you got to share with us today. Yeah. We don't get to see, um, we don't get this much of a conversation usually in our classes, right? You do so. Sometimes. Yeah. It's mostly denture focused though. <laughs> well, these days, yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, at the school, I, I've been teaching all over the place and now I'm kind of more focused on RPD and completes and stuff. So I don't know if that'll change in future or not. I'm going to be probably a little bit more involved in operative, which will be cool. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, usually you don't have a lot of opportunity to speak to instructors, I suppose, because you're so busy when you're in the, in the labs. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you, Dr. Wright, for joining us today. We learned lots and um, huh. I guess me and Jason will see you next week. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, thank you. You're very welcome, and I hope that it's informative, although probably 
a little bit uh, long in terms of answers, as usual. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate your time, Dr. Ray. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye.